When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Fantasy Six-Pack Hour With your hosts Joe Bob Ah, you're awful <laughs> And A.J. Applegar It's Shu Chu It's a mouthful Right, all right. Welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net. With me, as usual, Mr. AJ Abergarth. What's up, man? What up? Nothing. Oh, that was exciting. <laughs> Just got back from Disney, so I'm still uh, still a little tired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lots I can, of walking. I can, uh, I, I can, I can feel you on that one. The Disney trip with kids is uh, is rough, man. It's long ass days. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yes. Indeed. It was um, fun though. Yeah, it's a good time though, man. I, I'm hoping to get down there with. Cause we did it with my oldest when she was around five. Um, so we're hoping to do it soon again because Lucas will be turning six in September. Yeah, it's about that yes. time. So. Gotta figure it out. It's t- it's tougher now because like when we did it with Charlotte, she was in preschool, so it's like, eh, who cares? Lucas was one. Obviously, he didn't care. <laughs> There's nothing going on, and now so now it's like, well, wait, I don't want to go in the middle of the summer because it, a it's hot, and that's when everybody goes because everybody's off school. Surprisingly, it wasn't wasn't bad. Super crowded. I, I was kind of thinking it was gonna be worse. The first day, well, we we stayed at the hotel and, you know, had a relaxing pool day on Sunday. Uh, We got in late Saturday and then uh, did Magic Kingdom Monday and Hollywood Studios Tuesday. And, I mean, it it wasn't overly crowded. Magic Kingdom Day was definitely hot, but the other day wasn't bad uh, because it rained a little bit. I mean, yeah, the, the heat would detract me a little bit from going yeah. in the summer. I mean, I, I know Florida heat, Florida summers, man, that they are brutal. Uh, family lives down there, not too far from Orlando either. And it's, yeah, it's bad, but yeah, you would think with like school being out and stuff like that, I guess like spring break is probably worse maybe, but you know, I don't know. It's tough, but I'll figure it out eventually. But all right. So tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be doing our NFC North preview. Uh, we'll bring in our guests here shortly, but before we do that, just want to remind you to hit that like button, subscribe button, leave those comments. We appreciate it, and uh, it helps us out a lot. And uh, also, new and improved site, I guess. Uh, we have we are offering memberships. So we've got our cheat sheet only membership, which you get access to our cheat sheet and our projections for draft season. Um, and then we are also offering a package that's going to include that plus access to our Discord and other content that we're going to put behind the membership um, as well. We've already put all of our rankings behind it. You can get like the first, you know, 
snippet of the rankings without it and then if you want the rest you've got to pay for it um so there's going to be other stuff behind you know through that access as the season gets closer and during the season more importantly so get in on that now get that discord access you'll have direct access to me and other analysts here at fantasy six pack and uh, all of our award-winning advice uh, as well so hit that up you can use promo code f6p early all spelled out except for the number six and then um for 25% off for the first 100 members. We've already got a few that have used it, so uh, you got to get in on that now. We're not going to offer 25% off again. Uh, after that, you know, it'll be a little less. So, all right, well, without further ado, let's bring in our guest of the night, and it is Mr. Pat Fitzmorris from Fantasy Pros. What is going on tonight, man? Joe, doing well? Glad to see you and AJ. And uh, man, I mean, we're just like right on the eve of training camp here. I feel like yeah. I mean, hey, some some teams have already started, so I think they open, have, right? man. Rookies, yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like it's less than a week away before we have to scramble and make our big first injury adjustment to our rankings. That, fir- that first, like that first day of camp, someone's busting an ACL. We're gonna be like, everybody, know, you, me, and everybody doing the yeah. rankings gonna be like, ah. Stop what you're doing. Right. right. And uh, me with my Scott Fish team. this for a while. Yeah. Yeah. This is the the fun part. And then, you know, everybody who's done drafting the Scott Fishbowl teams already or whatever other leagues that drafted super early, then you get to, like, curse because all of those, like, early picks, you're like, ah, I just lost those. So, like, Dobbins last year was the big one, right, that crushed everybody. Um, and then what the second preseason game, Gus Edwards goes down and, you know, everybody who had him was like, yeah, awesome. Cause you got him as a value possibly if you drafted him before Dobbins went down and then just, just crushed. Like, <laughs> got yeah, me man, couple, for I sure. remember my first, uh, Scott Fishball. My, I was driving to, uh, a golf outing up in Wisconsin, uh, first weekend in August and got the news on the radio that Ryan Tannehill had torn his ACL. And he was like, I, I think I only, I don't know if I had a starting third quarterback at the time and, you know, Scott Fishbowl super flex. So that was, that was a little bit of a blow and kind of rough to hear when you're, you know, on the car on the way to a happy place. <laughs> yeah. I feel like every single year, except maybe last year, I had at least one player in the first like five or six rounds go down, you know, with you know either late July or early August or whatever it was, and just it crushes your hopes and dreams with Scott Fish. You're like, there's no way I can compete. I mean, like I do okay without them, regardless. It seems like, but it just it just caps my team's ceiling without you know that stud player. And it, it stinks, but it's fun. It's for charity, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So great to have you here. Let's. Uh, we're going to be doing the NFC North. I know you're ready for that, but let's do the favorite segment of the show, Beer of the Week. Mm, beer. All right, Pat. So uh, guest of honor, what you got, man? I got a uh, Three Floyds Zombie Dust, excellent brewery uh, in Munster, Indiana, northwest Indiana. And uh, when I first moved to the Chicago area, and for, well, I shouldn't say that, when I first tried this uh, in the early 2000s, not real readily available. Uh, like the only kind they seem to have readily available all the time in the liquor store was the Scotch Ale, which uh, Scottish Ale, not really my favorite variety of beer. Um, but they really boosted production, so now we can get this golden juice uh 
all the time, and I, I think it's the best IPA in America, or at least the best I've had, and I know there are quite a few I haven't tried yet. So uh, cheers, boys. Yes, all cheers right, indeed. Cheers. That is also That's... one of my faves. Have you, uh, have you been to Dark Lord Day? I have not. I've no. not. I've heard that it's fantastic, but yeah. I've, I've not been. A buddy of mine is a an Indiana, uh, you know, homegrown, and he lives for Three Floyd stuff, and you know, always gets gets a relative or somebody there to to get him one. Finally, got to try it last year, and it was like, wow, <laughs> it was a potent beer. So, all right, I myself am uh, dipping into another. Treehouse Brewing. Um, this one is called the Alter Ego. It's uh, an IPA. There's eh, not super heavy, six point eight percenter, um, but yeah, looks looks like it's a fun can. So, cheers and uh, here we go. Go. Cool. All right. <clears throat> oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, good. <laughs> so uh, I'm drinking an Aslan Brewing Company. Uh, it's called Pew Pew Pew. So had the uh, Star Wars <laughs> action going there. I got to do it. I mean, huge Star Wars fan. Uh, triple IPA. So this is a Ooh. oh baby, a twelve point eight. So yes, oh, I, oh man. I mean, Joke. if this show goes like an hour and a half, I might finish <laughs> it. But hopefully, I don't finish it before that because uh, I might just take a nap after you know during the show if we do. But uh, yeah, it'll it'll be. <laughs> Uh, no, I've had this before. This was pretty good. I gave it like a four and a quarter on Untapped, I believe. I have to check, but uh, it's pretty good. Cheers, guys, and uh, let's talk some NFC North. So um, how we do this, Pat, is we like to uh, start off here with <clears throat> excuse me. We like to start off here with a generic NFL question uh, related to the division. And then um, we'll rip through kind of per position uh, specific questions on, you know, hitting up as, as many of the teams as we can that feel relevant. But uh, what's up, Mr. Scampers? Welcome back, man. Glad you're Hello. Doing hello. Um, Thanks for joining us again. So our question of the night. Uh, AJ, you got your name next to this one, so I'll let you have it. All right. Yeah. Um, so do we think that this is one of the years where we could actually see the Vikings steal the division crown from the Packers? Well, gosh, AJ, I'm a Packers fan, so you're not going to get an honest answer from me. No, uh, <laughs> like my sincere feeling is that it's not, um, because even with the Devonte Adams defection, like I think the Packers are pretty, it's the first time I've probably the best I've felt about a Green Bay defense since we had Reggie White still playing for us. Um, so I tend to think not, and, uh, I saw a little interesting nuggets on, uh, the Vikings, and I, I better attribute this. Um, it was from Fan Nation, and their writer pointed out that over the past two seasons, opposing quarterbacks have thrown in the direction of Vikings cornerbacks 613 times, 68% completion rating, uh, 5,201 yards, 36 touchdowns, five interceptions, comes out to a QB rating of 110.3, 110.3 passer rating. Um, Aaron Rodgers last year when he won the MVP was 111.9, just a little higher. So Vikings cornerbacks have been a big problem. I mean, maybe they've, I don't know if they're going to be any better there. You know, they signed the Packers slot corner, Chandon Sullivan, who's okay. Um, Patrick Peterson's 32. Cam Dantzler's okay, I guess. 
But, man, they've got a lot of new starters on defense. Uh, some interesting new talent, you know, the two ex-Packers with Sullivan and Zadarius Smith. Um, yeah, I, like, I think it's going to take them a while to consolidate that talent. And, uh, you know, probably it's going to take them a little while to get themselves acclimated to Kevin O'Connell's offense. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, you know, right out of the gate, who do they get in week one? The Packers at home. So it's kind of a big game for them right away. And, uh, you know, when you're you're getting all these new starters on the same page, when you're figuring out a new offense, I don't know that you want, like, your chief division rival coming into town in that very first game. So I'm saying no. I, I think the Packers do hang on to the division this year. Joe, thoughts? I, I, I tend to agree. Um, I think the, you know, obviously the, the, I think the Bears and the Lions are, are – pretty distant third and fourth there in my opinion to those teams uh but yeah i agree with you i I think getting the you know getting acclimated to a new offensive system is going to take a little bit of work um and time and i mean that's just this is how it goes in the nfl i mean you know we all expect bigger better things from this offense but you know as far as turning that into wins especially against a very very solid team in the packers you know that's that's going to be tough. Um, you know, you mentioned they got a week one, right? That matchup. I mean, the, you lose that game, right? You're already you're already chasing, so that's that's not good. Like they were probably hoping to play the Packers in week like eight plus, <laughs> right. to be yeah. honest. Uh, but yeah, I, I I tend to agree. Um, all right, so moving on here to yeah, let's rip through these quarterback ADPs. Um, and then you can take away the first question here. So uh, quarterback ADPs we got um, coming off of Fantasy Pros um, based on the uh, sleeper uh, tab, if you want to call it that, I guess, sleeper rankings. So we got Aaron Rodgers at 11. We've got Kirk Cousins at 16, Justin Fields right behind him at 18, and then uh, Jared Goff all the way down at 28. Yeah, yeah, so let's start with the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, how do we see the development of Justin Fields uh, coming along this year for fantasy? Um, I mean, they really didn't do him any favors with surrounding him with talent. I mean, they keep bringing in receivers, but nobody cares about those receivers, to be honest. I mean, Darnell Moody and Bust, like, it's <laughs> really what they've done. So, I mean,. Just how much can we rely on Justin Fields in fantasy, given the lack of options he's got there in the passing game? Yeah, you kind of said it, Joe, um, that they really have not done much as far as supporting cast. Uh, not only not a great receiver core and, and you know really thin after Darnell Mooney, but um, a, one of the worst offensive lines in the league, probably. So um, when you've got a bunch of receivers who maybe can't get open and a an offensive line that's breaking down a lot, got to figure Fields is probably going to do a lot of running. So there could be some real sneaky fantasy value here. Like, I don't know if he gets to even 3,500 passing yards. Um, man, I, I think you almost have to build in a, a missed game or two, like with the sort of offensive line he's going to have in front of him. Um, but, yeah, I think he's going to be running for his life quite a bit and and fields is a runner uh there is some sneaky konami code potential here so um yeah like i i think it's 
fair that he's, um, you know, a, a mid-range quarterback too. I think that's right around where I have him. Uh, but man, like you, you'd love to see what he could do with some weapons because he was a, a pretty promising passer at Ohio State. But the Bears just really aren't giving him much help. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I like him as a runner, but I mean, you're you're really hoping the legs keep his value up. In my opinion, that's 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 where it comes from him. But uh, yeah, thoughts, I, and then... I I agree 100. percent I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he can put together, but it's just a kind of a, a mixed bag of what you're getting there um, in general for that team and that offense. So I, I'm not really buying into them a lot, not really buying into fields a lot. Um, I mean, boy, there's a couple other guys that we'll, we'll talk about a little later. I'm sure that, that I, I do like, but not too much there for me. All right. So next, uh, next question we got here is for green Bay. Um, you know, again, we, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but can we t- uh, trust Aaron Rodgers to finish as a QB one this year without his favorite target, Mr. Devonte Adams, uh, on on the squad? I mean, more than we trust him, you know, about his vaccination status, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, good good question, AJ. Uh, I like how you snuck that in um so yeah man i I think he's going to be probably right on the border of qb1 value i've got him at qb12 uh he finished qb6 last year i believe and losing adams is big and and the fact that they don't have a clear replacement uh for him yeah i mean i i think we have to assume that the packers are going to run at a slightly higher rate and maybe they uh direct a higher percentage of, of the targets to the backs which might not yield quite as much yardage. Um, so I do think there's going to be a little slippage for Rodgers from a fantasy perspective. And he's got the defense where they're going to have some, I think, pretty run-friendly game scripts. And the Packers like to go at kind of a slow pace. Like they are usually, as far as NFL teams go, they're usually at the bottom as far as most time uh, taken between snaps. So... Slower pace, maybe a little run heavier this year. Uh, no big weapons in the, the receiving game. I mean, Rodgers could be great this year and still finish as like QB 10 or 11. So, um, yeah, a better real-life quarterback than fantasy quarterback this year. Yeah. 100% yep. agree. Um, he's, he's kind of a, a fade for me in, 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 in drafts. Um, I mean, I feel... I feel like, you know, you, you kind of hit it on the head. Like his his ceiling, like if he does really, really well, feels like low-end QB1. But, like, he could honestly, like, drop into the mid-range QB2. And I don't think anybody would be shocked. I mean, he just doesn't have that guy. And I know there's all those stats out there, you know, oh, well, the games without Devontae Adams, he posted these numbers. And it's like that's a super small sample size. Like he didn't play too many games without Adams in the last few years. Like it's, it's super small. Like you're going into an entire season with Lazard as your number one. We think (laughs) it's like, um, and a rookie that apparently is having trouble catching the ball right now. Like it's, 
it doesn't it doesn't feel good drafting Aaron Rodgers um, no. where he's going in drafts. And I know he's going, you know, the respect is there for this guy. I mean, he's one of the all-time greats. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I do think this this team, as you said, is going to turn more into a run-heavy offense here. Yeah. Uh, Rodgers doesn't run around much anymore either. He used to do some of that early in his career. Now it's really kind of a last resort thing. I mean, he might punch in a couple of touchdown runs, but you're not going to get any real no. bonus rushing yardage from him anymore. No, and he needs to not run because he, he he seems to get banged up when he gets hit. Right, right. right. So you don't want him to run right now. Uh, so let's move over here to Minnesota. And, um, you know, we talked about Kevin McConnell coming over uh, to this team. So everybody's really excited about this Vikings offense right now, especially, you know, the passing game. Um, you know, but just, just what is the outlook for Kirk Cousins as we're focused on the quarterbacks right now with the new head coach there, and he's going to be calling the plays? Yeah, so, um, I mean, Cousins is kind of the anti-Rodgers. I think better fantasy quarterback than real-life quarterback. Yes. <laughs> um, I've, I've got some major issues with him as a real-life quarterback, uh, you know, and I know some Vikings fans have kind of gotten mad at me about this, but, like, I have friends in Minnesota who hate Kirk Cousins, and they're Vikings fans, so... Um, but, like, I, he does put up numbers. Um, you know, he's been, like, around 30 touchdowns for, for quite a long time and usually pretty good yardage numbers. It's just that, you know, trouble winning big games, too often mm-hmm. throwing short of the sticks on, on you know, big third and tens or something. Um, so I think it always looks better in the stat column for him than it actually does on uh, the TV screen. But, yeah, um, so the O'Connell offense is interesting. I mean, I think people are imagining that it's really going to pump up the passing volume for him. I don't know about that. Like my colleague Derek Brown at Fantasy Pros has pointed out that like the uh, you know neutral skip neutral script passing rate for the Vikings last year was like upper half. I think they were like I want to say they were twelfth or something. I, I wish I knew that exact number, but. So maybe that doesn't change all that much. It's just a, a different scheme. Maybe they get a little more efficient. So I don't think you're necessarily going to see a huge Cousins breakout, but I think we'll probably see more of the same, which is a pretty useful high-end quarterback two, maybe even low-end quarterback one. He's been QB 11 the last two years. Has it? He has been QB yeah, 11. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's so a low-end QB one. He's He's been there. He's just... He doesn't like, he's just sort of like consistent low level QB1, high level QB2, so he just kind of falls into that. But like, I feel like he's not winning you your league, but like, you can get him so cheap. Like, I, I'm all about it. Like, taking him, if I can, you know, if I can just load the top end of my draft with receivers and tight ends and, and running backs and then wait till the late you know double digit rounds probably when you have to take cousins in your in your normal home leagues i'm all for it like he's not gonna lose you the league (laughs) yeah and i mean if you get jefferson (laughs) early if you take justin jefferson in the first round you got to be looking for to to complete that stack i mean you you should be wanting to do that yeah i think the the best thing with him is trying to stack and and just gaining even more value with that um i I like cousins this year i i do think that he's he's worth a shot you know um same same thing with what joe was saying i i'd look at him later and just try to stack my team with solid talent that i know is going to produce you know at the skill positions early so 
All right, looking at the uh, the last man standing here, Mr. Jared Goff. Um, I mean, do, do we think that there is a world where we see Goff being able to feed all of the mouths in this offense and actually make it fantasy relevant? I wouldn't be shocked if we, we saw, like, at least maybe low level, even mid-range. I wouldn't be shocked by, say, like a QB 17 finish for Jared Goff if he stayed healthy the whole season because he's got weapons now. I mean, we've... You know, he goes from, uh, man, Khalif Raymond and, uh, you know, Quintez Cifa. What, like, remember what his wide receiver core looked like to start the uh, Trinity oh, Benson? I mean, so it was bad. just like, and now all of a sudden you've got DJ Chark, Jamison Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown really came on late last year when everyone else yeah. was hurt. Yeah, Hawkinson, Swift, healthy. But if all those guys are healthy... I mean, this looks great, and he's got a really good offensive line in front of him with, uh, you know, Taylor Decker, Panay Sewell, Frank Ragnow. So, I mean, this offense could actually be pretty good, and we saw Goff, you know, for a while put up pretty good numbers with the Rams when they were clicking. Wouldn't shock me if he had a pretty decent season. I mean, let's face it, this is probably his last year as the Lions starter. They're going to draft someone or sign someone next year, but, um, you know, right now there's no one looking over his shoulder. So, um you know, in, in Superflex, two QB leagues, like, I don't mind Goff as a, a second or third quarterback. Yeah, I like him this year. I mean, I was hoping to try to snag him as my QB three for Fish, um, just just because I like the upside potential there, uh, and I really like the weapons he has. Um, you know, it's it's funny looking at everything that we see here. Now he has actual line of solid name players at receiver and that's huge for him. So I, I think the, the potential is definitely there for, for Goff to have a good season. Yeah. yeah I agreed. Mean, the last, the last four games that he played last season, if you mix that with the last four games, uh, this is data from, uh, this is stats from fantasy data. Uh, that's where I pull a lot of my stuff. Um, so you just, you can filter by last number of games played he was QB 14. So, I mean, wow. he's right there in the mix. I mean, he's he's not, you know, I, I think he's somebody you have to give serious creed to, especially in, in oh, the two QB league for sure. Uh, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't scoff at it. Like, he's, he's, he's not going to be terrible. I, I feel like he's, you know, I'm on St. Brown, really. Just oh, his end of the heads, season. Yeah. So, like, He's That's his that candidacy slogan right so, there. Don't so. scoff at golf. <laughs> yeah. Glad somebody picked that one up. All right. Uh, <laughs> might have done that on purpose. Um, all right. Move over here to running back. So quick run through the ADP. Uh, Dalvin Cook at five. Swift at eight. And by the way, we use half PPR for these. Aaron Jones at 13. David Montgomery at 18. A.J. Dillon at 29. Alexander Madison 44, Khalil Herbert, go Hokies, number 53, and Jamal Williams at 56. Uh, AJ. All right. So Dalvin Cook has pretty much earned the title of injury prone throughout the majority of his career here. Um, but do you think he can actually shake that title and, and maximize his value going as an RB5? Mm, probably not, AJ, but I don't really care because when he does produce uh, – you know, when he does stay healthy, he always produces. Like, he's, I think over his career, he's averaged, like, 
almost 120 yards from scrimmage a game, I think. And like, uh, you know, scores in about three quarters of his, his game. So when he's out there, I mean, he's fantastic. Like he runs hard, um, speed, like we saw it against, uh, I, I know it's not the best run defense, but man, the way he chewed up the, the Pittsburgh Steelers in that game where I think some people didn't start him cause he was questionable coming into the game. People didn't know if it was going to be him or Madison. And, um, you know, hopefully if you draft Dalvin Cook, you get clarity on those injuries. Like, if he is going to get hurt, hopefully you know that he's going to be in or out and there's no middle ground because I know that Steelers game, uh, you know, a couple of friends of mine really got burned by that, uh, you know, actually benching him and watching him go off. For 205 yards. Can you imagine that, having, having that on your bench? You know, and it was a Thursday night game too to start the week. Oh, you could have been pretty much I, in the yeah, barn after that. So yeah, um, that's, that's that's rough. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I mean, that's the thing, and I, I kind of I'm drawn to those guys who you know that they're going to produce if they're healthy, even if there's a big injury risk. So I've got like Christian McCaffrey as my running back two. I've got Dalvin Cook as my running back three. Like, I just want the dudes who I know are going to produce when healthy yeah i mean especially now in an 18 week season I mean, there's almost no running back that's going to play it's hard you know it's hard to really forecast any player any especially running back to play the full season so like you know you miss a couple of games here or there like you've just got to have depth at the position especially running back and but yeah, I mean, he's elite when he's on the field. So absolutely, I will take him at five for running back, if not higher, to be honest. Like, I like him that much more. So um, I'm trying to think. I had my rankings up, but I have like five million tabs open right now. So I lost it. But uh, I think I have him ranked higher than that. I just can't find it, unfortunately. Um, yeah. For me, like, I mean, guys in the same neighborhood, it's dudes like Eckler. And I mean, Eckler. Yeah is not going to be a, I mean, he's not going to play as high a percentage of early down snaps as Dalvin Cook is going to. I mean, they've been wanting to, to not play Eckler as much on early downs, but they just keep swinging and missing with the guys they've they've had, the you know, uh, the round trees and the, the Josh Kellys, and it just kind of hasn't worked out. Maybe now with Isaiah Spiller it does. So, um, you know, Derrick Henry is another guy. I'm just worried about the pounding he's taken. Um, so yeah, for me, I think I'd rather have cooked than any of those dudes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the ar- the argument is definitely there, but so yeah. Um, all right. Um, so next team here, we are going to jump over to the Packers again. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we talked about them losing Adams, and so you know, we kind of alluded to this being a more run-heavy offense. Does that mean we're going to get a bounce back from Jones, you know, in back into the RB1 territory? And then, you know, on this knowing, though, that, like, they want to split the rushing workload with him and Dylan. Yeah, and uh, I think the last eight regular season games Dylan and Jones played together last year, Dylan averaged, I believe, 13.7 carries a game and Jones 10.2. So we really did kind of see things shift toward Dylan a little late in the season, and we also saw the goal line shift, work shift to Dylan. So at an ADP of 
what you guys said RB29 like yeah give me some of that I mean that's my only reservation about drafting Jones is that like I'd rather have Dylan at his cost than Jones at his um, but with Jones it is attractive that he is going to be getting extra targets I think and yeah, um, the passing work is is heavily in his favor. We talked about that on one of our uh, our team yeah. preview show that we did for them real quick, and yeah, it's super heavy in his favor. Yeah, and you did like agree that it's a small sample size. The games that Devonte didn't play, I think it was seven games during his career that Devonte missed, and in those games, like Aaron Jones averaged like seven targets a game. So um, I, I think he is going to see some extra targets, and he is like a a legitimate receiver out of the backfield. He's not just a little, you know, flare out and catch a dump off guy. He can run wheel routes and, mm-hmm. and get open downfield. So, um, like, I, I think there's opportunity for him there. And I wouldn't be totally shocked if he led the team in receptions this year, quite honestly. Um, so, I, I mean, I think <sighs> both of these good. guys, yeah. And, and, you know, as I mentioned, their defense is legit. Their defense is really legit, so I think they're going to have a lot of run-friendly game scripts. And I think would not surprise me at all if the Packers led the league in fantasy points by the running back position this year. So there, there's room for both of these guys to eat. Yeah, I can, I, I can see that. I, would, I can see other teams leading the league in, like, number of rushes or even, like, total rushing yards and things like that just because, you know, teams like the Ravens, right, have Lamar and sure. Bill's got – Josh Allen, although they don't have the running backs, but you know you don't. But the Packers don't have the running quarterback, so like yeah, the running backs leading the way there, you know, fantasy wise, I, I I could I could buy that. Yeah, I mean, coming off of uh, you know 2019 when Jones had you know 19 touchdowns total, we we thought that that was going to come down, and it did. Uh, I mean, he still had 10 <laughs> touchdowns last year. Um, only for rushing though, because of, you know, Dylan's presence being, you know, more utilized. So I can definitely see this backfield being very strong this year and, and Rogers having to rely on them, uh, a lot more without Adams there. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see either two running back sets with both of them in the backfield or having Jones split out, um, and then just having Dylan in the back. So it's dangerous, definitely dangerous. So, all right, looking at uh, Detroit here. I mean, this is the year that everybody is trying to predict uh, as as DeAndre Swift's breakout year. Um, I mean, are you believing the hype or are you holding back? Because, you know, it's it's the Lions. Yeah, uh, I like him a lot. I mean, I think I'm pretty much in line with everyone else having him, like, running back eight. And um, I like that he's got a good offensive line. like that he catches passes, which makes him a little more immune to negative game scripts. Um, they, they've used him on the goal line. So, um, I mean, I there's a lot to like here for sure. Um, you know, we just need a season of good health, and I think he would put up some pretty – eye-popping numbers so um yeah it just seems like i'm not sure why i haven't had more of him in in best balls and drafts especially since i kind of seem like i've been getting a lot of uh late first round picks this year like um 
but I, it seems like he is pretty consistently going around that first, second round turn. And, you know, I'm on board with it. I just, for some reason, have not gotten a lot of him. Yeah, I'm trying to, uh, I am finally pulling up my rankings again. Um, looking at running backs here. I've got him, I've got him smack dab at eight. I mean, it's, it's right there. Um, I haven't done a ton of drafts yet. I've unfortunately just had a ton going on. I have it on my to-do list. Like I've got a Google <laughs> task list that's underdog drafts. Like <laughs> I need to start getting into these. I just haven't done them yet. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the few drafts that I have done and mocks and things like that, it just, it just depends on where I'm drafting. Like he just isn't the target at that point. Like it's just, there's always somebody else. Um, it's not that I, you know, I either have like an early pick or like, a, like a super late pick and, and he's gone. Like he just, he's not the, the one that I get for whatever reason. And I've been doing a lot of like super flex or so quarterbacks just fly off the board. So that's, you know, that's, that's the other part. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I do like Swift a lot though. I mean, he's got to stay healthy. I mean, he, he was on quite a tear last season before the injury went, went down and, um, you know, it was, it was pretty unfortunate, but, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy and, and really just build off of what he had uh, last year. So, um, you know, I think Jamal Williams really isn't much to worry about there as far as taking a whole lot away from him. I think, like, week one was sort of like, whoa, like, Jamal Williams had, like, 11 catchers or whatever crazy number it was. I'm, I'm kind of making that up, but I do remember being a lot. No, you're right. They were really running back centric coming out of the gates last year. Like both guys were getting yeah, points. He had he had eight receptions in week one, Jamal Williams. It was kind of like, well, damn. All right. <laughs> yeah. We like him. And then the next week was three. And you were like, all right, really, guys? <laughs> yeah. Was it? Did they fall in like a big hole in that first game? And they were like, uh, Goff was just kind of dinking and dunking it his way. Against San Fran, and I feel like no, because San Fran was terrible to start the year. Were they? I, I want to say maybe the Lions even came back. I remember they had like I want to say that was like a crazy comeback game for them. It was forty-one to thirty-three. Oh, they did. They went down. Hard. They went down big. Yeah, yeah. they went down. Um, I mean, the, so the first two quarters, uh, I, what, I can't do math right now, but uh, what is this, 31 to 10 at halftime? Yeah, so they were getting yeah. slaughtered. So, yeah, but, yeah, the, the Lions the Lions put a, a scare of... into them a little late, I they think. Did. They might have even had the ball and down, you know, one score. It points. was super close. Yeah, it did end up getting really close there. But, uh, yeah, anyway, I like Swift a lot. But uh, let's move on here to the last team, and that is the Chicago Bears. Like, the workload for Montgomery is unquestioned. You know, when he is in the game, he gets the rock, right? Khalil Herbert is talented and should probably get more work when Montgomery is in there, but that's just not what they do, or at least what they haven't done. They could change this year. But, um, you know, with Montgomery kind of being the guy, right, or at least we all kind of think that way, right, at least ADP is falling that way, you know, Montgomery's 18, Herbert's 53, but – 18 does that feel a little low for Montgomery knowing that he's getting this workload and they have no passing game I mean let's be real (laughs) yeah uh so I guess to me it doesn't feel low because I've actually got him at 19 um (laughs) (laughs) so congratulations (laughs) yeah I mean like that's right around where he should be and and you said it about the workload Joe he's averaged uh 16.2 carries a game over his three years in Chicago and he's had like 
about 60 catches on average over the last two years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's kind of, it reminds me of the way the Bears used to use Matt Forte. He just, you know, gets gets carries, he gets targets. Um, but, man, that offensive line is so bad. You've got to figure there aren't going to be a lot of touchdown opportunities. Uh, it seems like, you know, eight might be his ceiling. Um, and the, the other thing, guys, that I kind of worry about is that, like, this is a new regime. So we don't know if he's going to be the guy. Like, maybe... Uh, yeah. maybe they're a committee back coaching staff, you know, maybe they are going to give Herbert a lot more work. Maybe, um, this Ebner guy, this, uh, rookie might get some time. Like we don't know here how he's going to be used. So we can't assume that he's going to get this workhorse use that she got under Nagy. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. I, I've actually got my, <laughs> I say congratulations about your 19. I realize you meant you had him ranked at 19. Not that you got him at 19. I thought you meant like got him in a draft. So no, totally no, no, no. misinterpreted that. So uh, anyway, um, I actually have him at 20. So I'm a little bit lower than you even. It, it, it is all the unknowns. It is the the entire offensive scheme. The Well, not scheme, but the entire offense in general. Like It's going to be bad. So he's going to lack touchdown upside. They might be trailing in a lot of games, right? And so then what? You know, like they're going to go away from the run game. He can catch passes, but he's not going to be like the focal point at that at that point in the game. Um, I mean, look, when you if, if I'm looking at a running back in that range, I don't – I'll probably target him. You know, I mean, you're looking at guys like what? Travis Etienne, we don't know. You know we all like him, but we don't know. Josh Jacobs – kind of the same guy <laughs> let's be real um zeke i don't know like do we like him anymore uh, it, 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 there's just so many question marks it's kind of like at least you know montgomery at least for the first half of the game is going to get the vast majority of all the touches unless they fall down you know 25 you know 25 points really quick but um, there's just, again, as you mentioned, just a lot of question marks with him and that entire offense that just bumps him down. You know, if, if we knew this offense was going to be better, he'd probably be at my guess, he'd be up there in the high RB two range. If we yeah. knew the offense was better. But we yeah. <laughs> and right. you know, field is going to run too. So that's going to take away from him. So it might. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, AJ, all right. Say or just want to jump in no, there? I mean, you guys pretty much hit, hit everything that I was thinking as well. Um, you know, the, the big thing for me, again, but you mentioned it, is it's a new team, new coaching regime. We don't really know what to expect from these guys um, until we see it on the field. So, uh, you know, he might be a, a, a candidate for, you know, a, a, either a buy low or a sell high, depending on how he comes out of the gates. Uh, and whether or not you believe in him keeping keeping that stance or, or changing it, so that's that's kind of how I see Montgomery. I I do like him. Uh, I, I like his uh, you know his safe floor, but the fact that their team in general is an, a big question mark is, is a little scary to me. So. I, I probably won't. Fish, so hopefully it's it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's gonna go well for me. Although he he fell and got fish because he's got yeah. the dreaded week fourteen bye. Oh, 
that yeah, you know, yeah. playoffs. So I was kind of couple like, of guys there. Eventually, I'm just gonna have to take him, guys. You're gonna let him fall to like running back 25. Like that's value. I'm gonna take it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Move it. So, on. <laughs> all right, jumping into wide receivers here. Um, we already hit it on with Justin Jefferson, number two. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is 28. Uh, Thielen is sitting at 30. Darnell Mooney at 32. Christian Watson, 46. Alan Lazard at 51. Jameson Williams uh, is actually at 49. Sorry that those two are flipped. Um, then we've got uh, Chark at 63. Osborne, 75. Sammy Watkins. Let's not forget that he is there. 78. Uh Pringle, or I'm sorry, uh, Cobb, 95, Pringle, 98, Amari Rogers, 102, and uh, Vilas Jones Jr. is 105, and newcomer to Chicago, Nikhil Harry, not listening. So, not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Although, hey, who knows? Crazy things have happened. All right, well, let's start off with the Packers here, and is, you know, do we actually think Alan Lazard is the number one? Like, are you ranking it that way? Do you actually think that's going to happen throughout the season? Or do you think somebody else in this receiving core, you know, probably Christian Watson kind of comes out on top in the end? I mean, if you, uh, Joe, if you gave me a hundred bucks to throw down on who was going to be the Packers, like receptions and receiving yards leader, I'd, I'd put it on Lazard. But if you were going to tell me that there was going to be a Green Bay receiver finishing with 1,000 yards, I would bet that it would be like Christian Watson to be the guy who did it. So, I mean, I think if there's going to be a big surprise from this group, it would be Watson just because he's so freaking big and fast. Um, And, you know, obviously big step up from him going from small school uh, program that didn't throw a lot like I mean he is he is raw and you know you, you'd think a guy like um, Rogers who always isn't always the most patient guy with his receivers uh, would have been better paired with like a more polished dude like a Chris Olave rather than a guy who you know just so little experience against tough competition and uh, so we'll see how that's going to work. Like, I'm not quite buying the idea of uh, Lazard as, like, a, a true wide receiver one who can get, like, 80 or 90 catches and 100 or 1,000 a, a to 1,200 yards. Like, that's just not him. But, I mean, Rodgers, the Packers' goal line back the last couple of years has been Devontae Adams. I mean, Rodgers loves to throw when he's inside the five-yard line. And if we see more of that, I mean, Lazard is a big dude. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Lazard had, like, a 700-yard season with, like, nine touchdowns, uh, ten touchdowns. Like, would not shock me at all. So, like, I think there's potential value, but I don't know. I mean, Lazard just, like, never really threw up huge numbers in college. Hasn't got more than, what, like, 70 targets or something in any NFL season. Like, I just have, I think it's a stretch to see him turn into some sort of alpha receiver when, like, his greatest attribute to date has been, like, his blocking. So, um, you know, I, 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 
we might see just a lot of guys with like six or seven hundred yards receiving for the Packers this year, where it's just kind of a fantasy swamp and different guys are popping up. Like, wouldn't <laughs> yeah. shock me if all of a sudden there was a rush to the waiver wire to grab Sammy Watkins after he has like five for 88 and a touchdown. In you week mean after one. week one? <laughs> yeah, exactly, it man. Week one and then he vanishes. Right, right. Like the best magic act in the NFL. I'm saying. Yeah. So I don't know no, what you guys here. think, but I, I just, yeah, it's kind of just receiver goulash in Green Bay. Yeah, I, I, agree. I personally like Lazard, not, not, not like tremendously over his ADP. I do have him at 45, but I mean, like, when you get into that range, right? I mean, I'm looking at a whole just bunch of blah. Like, I yeah. mean, it's total unknown territory. The one thing Lazard has going for him, right, is he's got Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball, and they know each other. I mean, he scored eight touchdowns last year off 60 catches or whatever it is. Um, So, like, he's 60 targets. So, 40 receptions and eight touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, probably, you know, the the catch-to-touchdown ratio is probably going to drop a little bit. But, yeah, I don't think he's going to be, you know – a superstar like we're not going to be talking about you know Lazard being a a wide receiver two next year at this point but could he absolutely crush his draft value 100 percent I I almost have no doubt he will it's just I get the hesitation and just the you know there's a lot of other guys that are going so the guys going around him have like a whole ton more upside to where, like, with Lazard, you're just kind of like, I mean, he's safe. <laughs> with, right. You know, like, that's that's my thing with Lazard. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess, and you said it, like, the, the touchdown thing, Joe. Like, that's where I, I think if he is valuable, it's going to be related to touchdowns more so than catches and yardage. And touchdowns mm-hmm. can be fickle, which is the, the problem, you know. So um, there are going to be weeks where he scores a touchdown, scores maybe two touchdowns. But if he doesn't get you those touchdowns, I don't think he's going to be bailing you out with, like, a 120-yard game. Nah, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, AJ? Yeah, that'd be that'd be surprising to see <laughs> 120 out of him. It's just not, um, he's just not, like, the burner, you know. Like, he's, he's right. just not that yeah. good. He's, he's a talented guy, but, like, that's nah, not really his deal. Exactly. So, looking at uh, Minnesota here, I mean, if there's one receiver that could dethrone – uh, Cooper Cup, I'm pretty sure it would be Justin Jefferson. Um, but do you think we can see more consistency out of some other players like Thielen and, and Osborne uh, on this team? Yeah, um agree with you on Jefferson. I mean, I, I always have a hard time like picking between Cup, Jefferson, and Chase. I'm always hoping someone makes that decision for me, just leaves me number three out of those guys. Um, right. Thielen's kind of interesting because his – efficiency's kind of been trending downward like career low uh 10.8 yards per catch last year career low 7.6 yards per target um average depth of target fell a whole two yards last year it had been 11.5 in 2020 and last year was 9.5 i mean it's just like a receiver who's getting old i think and um so i'm a little worried like you know the touchdown counts are always terrific um, but like, I worry if the touchdowns aren't there, if, if you know, we get a six, 16, 17 TD season from Justin Jefferson, which isn't totally 
off the wall as good as he is, what does that leave for Thielen? Maybe, you know, we see a year where he gets four or five and then his value is just in the, the garbage can. So um, I'm not really too interested in Thielen actually this year. And, uh, you know, Osborne's kind of interesting. I mean, we have seen the Rams play a lot of three receiver sets and the Vikings really have not in the recent past. Um, so I think we're going to see this, the snap count tick up for Osborne. I think it was like, a, I want to say it was around 60% last year. It could be, you know, north of 70, 75% this year. And, uh, you know, he did pretty well on a, a 60 or so percent snap count or, uh, you know, snap share last year. So, um, you know, I'm a little intrigued by him and he, he can be had really late. Plus, if anything happens to either Jefferson or Thielen, he moves up the, the pecking order a little bit. Like yeah. People talk about handcuffing running backs, but like uh, I know Rich Rebar has talked about like the, those third receivers who could blow up if someone in front of him gets hurt, and I think K.J. Osborne is kind of in that category. Yeah, K.J. Yeah. Osborne was a waiver wire like target many, many weeks last season. Yeah. Uh, I just had him stashed away a few a few times because, you know, you were just waiting for that Thielen injury, and you know we got it in playoff time once again. It feels like it just never fails. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Osborne is definitely intriguing. Um, you know, just looking at what he put up last year, he, he really wasn't that far behind Thielen. Um, you know, three less touchdowns. Again, can't predict the touchdowns. Uh, the targets were, were pretty much right in line, 13 off at 82 to 95 for Thielen. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think he's definitely got a nice upside and definite value at where he's going. So do like Osborne as well. Yeah, I mean, and look, the, the one thing we got to think about here, right, so like everybody, you know, we've already talked about it, but we, we like this offense to, you know, the passing game, everybody's, likes it a little bit better right this year because of the coaching change um so you have to you know everybody's all in on jefferson and for good reason you know he's a superstar um but if cousins throws 35 touchdowns again they're not all going to jefferson they gotta go to somebody else right so like Thielen and osborne aren't going to be you know just whatever like Thielen and Osborne will be very valuable assets, especially at their draft value. Yeah, I think another thing to look at too is if we're going to see that many touchdowns, you don't have uh, you don't have Conklin there anymore. Um, so, is Irv Smith going to be the guy? Who knows? Maybe we'll yeah. we'll find out a little bit. that. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> jumping over here to Detroit. So you know, I'm on around St. Brown. You know, finished with 90 receptions last year, 119 targets. Now, of course, things get a little more muddled for him, right? You know, so you already you already talked about how bad the receiving core was for Detroit last season outside of St. Brown. This year, brought in Shark, brought in Williams. You know, Hawkinson's going to be healthy. Swift is going to be there. So just how much can we trust St. Brown to be this good of a receiver um, and even the number one for this team, you know, again. Good question. I, like, we can trust him to be good, I think, because we saw it, like, uh, it was fun to watch him last year and 
you know, he carried some teams to fantasy championships. Mm-hmm. But um, that's kind of it. Like, he can be good and just not get anything close to that same volume and just not have the same sort of impact. Um, and I think that's kind of going to be the case. The funny thing is, though, uh, Joe and AJ, like, I thought he was going to be a trap this year in, in early best balls and stuff. So, like, when I, you know, jumped into the best ball rooms in, in February or whatever, when they were firing up, uh, you know, I thought, like, he was going to be this this sucker play, and people weren't really going for it. Like, people are, are sharp these days and realize it was largely because everyone was hurt late last year. And he does have all this, this target competition. And I think... I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say February. Maybe it was after they had signed Shark and drafted Jamison Williams that I was noticing this. But um, I think people realize he's not going to get the same, mm-hmm. uh, you know, consistent run of double-digit targets that he got last year. But at the same time, he's still pretty good. And, uh, you know, if he's my third receiver, I'm not feeling too terrible about it. Yeah. I got him at 32, so, I mean, it's a little lower yep. than his ADP. but I think that's exactly I where I've got him, too. Kind of, you know, you just, you're just picking who you like. You know, there's just a bunch of guys there that, you know, yep. are all kind of in the same boat, and it's just just kind of prefer them a little more than the St. Brown. So, it is what it is. But, yeah, I think he's going to struggle a little bit more, like you said. But, uh, AJ, anything? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I got is whether or not I want to try to pull a, a really good value keeper pick for, for St. Brown um, in one of my home leagues, but I've got a lot of potential keepers in there, so we'll see what happens. But I, I sure think you'll uh, talk to me later about that. Yeah, <laughs> probably. probably. <laughs> All right, let's move over here, finish off the receivers. All right, so we've we've pretty much already you know beat this dead horse, but let's keep going with it. Um, I mean, what are we going to do with this receiving core in Chicago past Darnell Mooney? We we said they traded for former first round pick Nikhil Harry, who just never really turned into anything in in uh, New England. Um, they signed a bunch of guys in free agency. You got Byron Pringle. Uh, you got Economius uh, St. Brown, um, Dante Pettis. It's just like such a mixed bag of you know never really done much receivers here. So is there any fantasy value that, that we'd be able to squeeze from this offense? No, oh, it's hard to see AJ like Velas Jones, Nikhil Harry, Equinemius Pringle. Yeah. Um, I, like I think Mooney is really in most, most drafts. I mean, typical 12 team, 18 rounds or so. Like, I don't think any of these guys other than Mooney are getting picked and, you know, maybe, couple of these guys bubble up as waiver possibilities at some point during the season but man um that would have to be a pretty deep league to uh i'm, I'm in a league that's 16 teams and 24 rounds some of these guys are going to get picked in that league yeah. but uh most leagues i don't think these guys are, are getting picked and it's just hard to see them having upside and like if you guys were going to bet on any one guy other than mooney from this crew who would you who would you put your money on I mean, I, I guess oh, I'd, I maybe Harry just because he's big. Yeah. And... I'm, I'm thinking, like, I know they didn't spend a lot to get him, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I go. Pringle's interesting. Like, he had a great, like, yards per catch with with KC, just didn't get 
involved enough in that offense. Um, kind of a coin flip between those two. I don't really see anybody else making an impact besides those two. And those uh, Pringle and Harry are going to be very inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, St. Brown actually have you know, a handful of games where he's the, the top receiver. I mean, when he was in Green Bay, he was not really relied on, but he did have some talent, showed some, some good uh, potential there. Um, it was always injuries that seemed to really, you know, nag him throughout his career in Green Bay. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him have some decent games. I don't know if I want to rely on that um, for fantasy. Maybe if the matchup is nice, you know, take a flyer on, on a DFS uh, squad with him. But other than that, I, I'd probably lean Harry as well. I, I just think new start, you know, it, it reminds me of, of Nelson Aguilar. Um, you know, he just didn't really do much with Philly. Uh, you know, they benched him and then he came out and he started kind of figuring things out a little bit. And then as soon as he left Philly, he took off and, and he played pretty damn well. So maybe that's all Harry needed. And, you know, the pressure is not necessarily going to be on him here. Um, so I, I could see him being a sneaky late value pick. Interesting with the Aguilar uh, comp there. That's, I kind of like that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's finish things off here with the tight ends, and we'll rip through the ADP here. So Hawkins is at six, Cole Komet is at thirteen, Irv Smith at sixteen, and Robert Tunyon at twenty-two. All right, sticking uh, back into Detroit here. I mean, do we really think we can trust Hawkinson to be top five tight end again with? all of these new faces and mouths to feed here in Detroit? I think if he stays healthy, he's got a chance. And he missed uh, five games last year and four games his rookie year. Only played one fully healthy season. And uh, there I think he was over 700 yards. So I'm, I do think there's like 800-yard upside here, um, you know, if he plays all 17. But, um, you know, like I'm up here in Big Ten country. I saw him at Iowa. Like, I believe in the talent. Um, but there, you know, it's not a high-octane offense. There are some good receivers there in place now. I, I think, like, a, a you know, 700-yard, 6-TD season is, is well within reason for him uh, if his health cooperates. Yeah, yeah. health, I think, is the big thing with him. And, uh, you know, it's a shame because he is talented. Uh, I watched a lot of you know, a lot of his college in Iowa games just when they were playing Penn State mostly, but some of the other teams, you know, more local to to the mid-Atlantic side. Um, I mean, he's a talented guy, so I, I like him. I hope he does stay healthy. Uh, I'm not necessarily seeing him as a as a down year or anything like that this year. No, so... Hawkins is one of the last tight ends that I actually feel comfortable drafting as a reliable tight end. Like, yeah, he's not going to be Kelsey. He's probably not going to be an Andrews. Like, if Kittle stays healthy all season, yeah, that didn't happen. He wouldn't be a Kelsey, right? He wouldn't be that level, but he will be good. And the reason why I say that is because 
there's a lot of tight ends after him who we all look at him and we're like, well, yeah, I mean, he's good, but he's touchdown dependent. Yeah, he's good, but he's touchdown dependent. You look at Hawkinson and you go, he's not touchdown dependent. He's going to score six, maybe seven, right, probably. Yeah. But he's going to get targets. And, yes, I know there's a lot more mouths to feed in that offense, but they're all new. We know Hawk and Goff have, you know, the thing going already. So I like him to just be a reliable tight end still. That And he's, like, pretty much the last one that I'm taking that I'm going. I feel good having him on my team. He might get passed by a couple of guys who got drafted after him because they could pull a Dawson Knox randomly, but those are almost impossible to predict. So Hawkinson is a guy who's going to get, you know, if if he's there all 17 games, I think you can almost lock in 100 targets for him, and that's that's money in the bag for tight end. So that's why I like him. But... um, over here, Chicago, we got Cole Komet. He's the second most targeted player on this offense with uh, 93 targets only behind Mooney. I mean, again, lack of weapons. So are we thinking there's a, a breakout coming with with Komet this season? If you're kind of putting off the tight end position, dumpster diving at tight end, like I kind of like to do, to be honest, um, Komet yeah. is a, a reasonable target. Like he... He just had bad TD luck last year. Um, I don't know uh, if there's zero. a yeah. <laughs> that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, re- I don't, regression is going to be good for him. <laughs> yeah, you would think. Um, you know, but of Hopefully. course, in in this offense, he could regress positively to three or four. Um, you know, I don't know if. Yeah, I mean, Honestly, I don't know if you give him an extra twenty-one fantasy points last season. And he goes, let me switch it to half PPR because that's what I usually use. You give him an extra 21 fantasy points, right? Just three touch, well, I guess three touchdowns, 18 points, right? Uh, that puts him right at tight end 16 ish. Yeah. So give him six, and all of a sudden he ascends a little more. I don't yeah. know if there's an eight or nine or 10 TD season lurking for him with mm-hmm. this offense, but, um, you know, we just talked about how the receiver core is pretty much trash. Um, so, like, very possible he's he's second on the team in targets. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's, like, tight end one upside here, believe it or not. Um, yeah. I think he's pretty good. So, you know, I'm also a little biased. He grew up about five miles from where I am right now. So um, <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, but shouldn't say I'm biased. I mean, I'm not. I'm no fan of Notre Dame football, um, but yeah, man, I think Komet's pretty good, and I think like he's going to get that dead dead cat bounce on touchdowns this year. Yeah, he was uh, my first tight end taken in in fish in the ninth as tight end eleven. So I think he's definitely got tight end uh, tight end one upside this year. And and looking at the schedule too, because Chicago was bad. Uh, and will continue to be bad. His schedule lines up pretty nice for, um, you know, opposing defenses against the tight end. Um, Green Bay, although they have such a good defense, aren't always the best against tight end. That's going to be a Sunday night game 
uh, in week two at Green Bay. So maybe a little tougher on that one. But then he goes to Houston. Um, he sees Miami later in the season um, at Atlanta, at the Jets, Green Bay again, and then Philly. So I, I like the upside potential of him a lot this year and definitely see the uh, the touchdown regression positively this year for him. 100%. So, so there, moving. There's, there's okay. no fear of him being a second Jacoby Myers? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he, he'll score a touchdown before his third NFL season or whatever. Yeah. I think he'll be able to, to handle that. I think he'll have to this year just just by sheer nobody else. luck of, yeah. yeah. You're talking about the schedule? Fancy Pros, by the way, Pat, has them ranked, the Bears, as the easiest tight end schedule. Yeah. Really? That's where, so it, there well, we go. I'm pulling all of that stuff right from Fancy Pros. So <laughs> got to give the credit where it's yeah. due. I here. work there, and I wasn't even aware of that. <laughs> I just you guys like are on the ball. Profile. Bam, it's at the top. <laughs> there it is. It does hurt that he's got that week 14 bye. Um, that, 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 well, so but, that only hurts you in leagues like Scottfish. In your well, normal yeah. home leagues, it's 15, 16, 17, right? So you're okay. Yeah. Um, the NFL has really got to figure out how, to not, how these bye weeks go to week 14. <laughs> it's brutal. It is rough. But... Yeah. I don't even know. Jeff. What's up, Jeff? <laughs> man. What's going on, man? So, all right. Now, as I uh, alluded to earlier and foreshadowed, we've got Mr. Irv Smith Jr. here. Now that he's actually, you know, more than a year removed from that meniscus injury that he had, do we think that he can finally rebound and be a possible tight end one finish with the new offense? Guys, I mean, I'm not short on strong opinions about, like, players across the NFL and and fantasy contributors i just kind of throw up my hands with irv smith i have no idea what to expect like i you know i'm just kind of drafting around him because i honestly have no idea i think i had him in the fishbowl last year and uh you know that obviously didn't work out but um i don't know what do you guys think i'm drawing a blank yeah i, I think i had him in fish last year too and then pretty yeah. quickly cut him <laughs> same i've got him ranked at 13 so i'm i'm i've got him up there but it's pretty bullish but he's he's also like because yeah. i think the talent is there the opportunity is there the offensive changeover is there but i'm with you man like so i'll rank guys right where i rank but like they are not draft targets for me like i'll just be like yeah i'm gonna pass. i'm gonna go elsewhere yeah and i'll wait and he's one of those guys like you know, I'll take a Gasecki later. I'll take a you know if if, if I if I wait on a tight end that far, like I'll just take a guy. I don't need to take Smith. I just don't feel comfortable with it. Um, he can totally. Prove, he's he's one of those guys that's either going to be tight end thirty at the end of the year or honestly like tight end six. I mean, he's he's got the talent. Yeah, um, and, and the there's offense. just no one else behind him this year um, that that scares me. Uh, at all to take a bunch of targets uh, like Conklin did the past couple of years and, and, you know, jumping in when uh, Smith was out. Um, so, I, again, I agree. I think the opportunity is there for him to, to really grab it and go. But 
it's just it's hard for me to put a lot of faith in him. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. So the last team here, we got uh, Green Bay. So Robert Tunyon. I mean, look, you know, he was the, he was the darling of 2020, right? Just kind of came out of nowhere, was just randomly good. <laughs> and then last year was not, and then got hurt. So that, I mean, that didn't help things. But um, any any sort of ballast back potential you, you see for Tunyon, especially now that we don't have, there we go, so we get Jeff as a uh, Smith believer. Jeff's on board. Um, I mean, you, you're going to get him in every draft. So you're either in or you're out. And if you're not in, you're not getting him because there will be somebody in on your draft. But uh, that being said, we got Tunyon here. So, you know, 11 touchdowns in 2020. Just an insane number. You know, like – you know, we 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 referenced, um, uh, what's his name from Buffalo or, uh, earlier? So Dawson, Dawson, Dawson Knox. Knox. Thank you. Uh, you know, nine touchdowns, or whatever it was last season. That was Tunyon, and then last year, like even in the eight games he played, it was only two hundred four yards and two touchdowns. Like it just wasn't good. It wasn't fantasy relevant. You dropped him if you drafted him, and then he got hurt. So now he's coming back, but we don't have Adams there. So, like, it, you know, we're looking for targets on this team. Could Tunyon kind of bounce back because of that? Touchdown upside. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers plays 17 games, he's he's slinging at least 36 touchdowns, and uh, someone's got to catch him. So there's upside there. The only thing is, like, we don't know if Tunyon's going to be ready for week one. Um, yeah. his, his ACL was – it was that Arizona game, which I want to say was, like, maybe the, the – their last game in October. Yeah, so, it was like middle of the season, you're right. Yeah, I want to say it was like week eight or something like that, mm-hmm. end of, end of October. Right. And um, so, like, kind of dicey whether he's going to be ready to go in, in week one. Um, you know, and, and like, they kind of like to play a lot of tight ends, too. They play Josiah DeGuara. They play Mercedes Lewis because he can block. And mm-hmm. um, I was actually, I was on a podcast with Leroy Butler a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, Leroy's going into the Hall of Fame this year, and, and he's like Mr. Packer. He's like this ambassador for the organization, and like he's always around the team, and like he knows things. And he said, watch out for Tyler Davis, who's like their basically fourth-string tight end. Like, and if, if Leroy was talking up Tyler Davis, someone in that building, like, must like Tyler Davis. So yeah. kind of, I don't know, just a name to, uh, name to tuck away there from a future hall of famer. So, uh, <laughs> but I think most people are pretty much avoiding that. Like I've got Tunyon at, at tight end 22. I'll take him up a little bit if the medical reports are good, but, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not really like looking to drink deeply from he's, this tight end group. He's a watch list guy to me. Like he's yes. one of those guys, like, especially, you know, if I don't get one of the top five or six guys, I'm highlighting a bunch of dudes on the waiver wire to keep an eye on them for tight because you're going to be kind of streaming tight end most likely at that point, right? Um, so he, he's a guy he's a guy to pay attention to for sure. But I agree with you, not draftable at all. Um, I, dang it, there was something else I wanted to ask you now. Um, so oh, you mentioned Rogers. If he's healthy, you know, all year long he's throwing. You know, you said 36 touchdowns, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm totally in agreement with that. I, um, I mean, 
we looked at 2018 and 2019, right? He played all 16 games. 25 and 26 touchdowns. I mean, and, and people were off of him in 2020 because of it. And then he threw 48. <laughs> so, of course, we all got bit in the ass for that. But, I mean, like, without Adams and, you know, you know everybody thinks they're going to go run heavy, heavier. Um, is there any doubt in your mind that he could hit the 30 mark? I kind of, I kind of like on the fence with it. In seventeen games, um, yeah, in seventeen. Okay, so so you add the extra game, but you know, just for the sake of the argument, let's just say it's sixteen again, right? So you know, could he kind of fall back to those twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen kind of pace? Yeah, um, I mean, it's possible. It's it's possible. Uh, like. I don't know, man. I mean, he really likes to throw inside the five more than uh, most quarterbacks. I mean, that's like a big thing for him. Maybe they don't do it as much. Um, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> Outside of the running backs. <laughs> yeah, the running backs, man. <laughs> Dive into those running backs. Um, Get them. So it's possible. I could maybe 36 was like a little bit. I was out maybe a little bit I mean, over I didn't my know. skis. I mean, but it, every other year, I would say absolutely. Like, that's. You know, 30, 45, 39, and then he had 17, but he got hurt, 38, 31. I mean, he, you know, he's hovering around that, you know, low to mid 30 range. And then he has these like breakout years where he's 40 and 48, but, you know, all the other years, but he's always had like a guy, right? It feels like he's always had at least one dude he could just like lean on. And, you know, 2018, 2019, uh, I'm, I'm, on the receiving core those years, but uh, you know, I guess clearly didn't have one those years, and, and um, you know, uh, Cobb was probably there at that point. Well, no, uh, oh, what's his name? MBS. No, he, he started getting older. Is what happened. Oh, I'm blanking on who. And it wasn't was. Cobb. So in 2018, I'm I'm, I'm looking at target share here so adams was there in 2018 that must have been was that his rookie year yeah i mean he was a train wreck for a couple of years when 20, he got no, there actually it wasn't his rookie year 2014 was damn he's a lot <laughs> he's been around a lot longer than i thought but yeah he wasn't he wasn't i mean he was good very very good but i mean like i guess that's all they had and he just didn't like just force in the ball as much or whatever it is but um yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, I just don't really know what happened those years. I mean, it's basically been the same receiving core for like four years, and just for whatever reason, in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, it didn't really turn into like super success for Rodgers. It wasn't. A, I mean, coaching staff obviously played a large role in that too. So, um, yeah, yeah like eighteen. Like, like, I remember that. That was when he was complaining about Mike McCarthy and like they were just yeah, like, I mean, really stale route combinations. Reason. Yeah, like they'd never they'd never run a, a you know crossing routes or anything. It just seemed like the offense had gotten really stale and and things had gotten really bad. But you know, um, Lafleur I think is one of the better play callers in the mm-hmm. league, and um, you know he's gonna he's gonna drop some stuff for Rodgers. You know, Rodgers I don't think he's gonna be happy. Uh, running at 60% of the time. So um, I think there are going to be ways for Rodgers to, uh, you know, make some plays and, and get a decent yeah. TD total. So I'm if you're giving me like 33 and a half touchdowns, I'm betting the over. I, 
I tend to agree with you. I just I'm playing devil's advocate. You know, sure. Try to try to make a good show. Uh, so all right, that is it for the positions. We do one last thing in each division preview, and that is our final division uh, standings prediction. So Pat, you can go first. What order do you have? All right. So um, as I mentioned, I don't think the the Packers are getting knocked off their perch this year. I think they're going to reign in the NFC North once again. Um, Man, I was really tempted to put the Lions at number two. I do think uh, Dan Campbell has them moving in the right direction. But I got to stick with the Vikings at number two, the Lions at number three. And, uh, you know, here in Chicago, not a lot to cheer about, which, you know, as a Packer fan living behind enemy lines doesn't make me (laughs) real sad. Uh, But, yeah, I think the Bears are going to be bringing up the rear. The Bears. AJ, any difference? No. Yeah, me neither. I think that's pretty much it. This is almost like... the chalk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's chalk, but, like, it makes sense. I mean, as you said, like, the Lions are kind of the up-and-coming team. Like, they could surprise. I mean... Yeah. They were in some games last year, and you were like, how the hell are they in these games? And now they've got, like, good weapons on offense and people healthy right now. I mean, they easily could turn those games into wins and would make a huge difference. So... I, I do like them, but not quite yet. Um, yeah, one more one more year to consolidate all that talent, and uh, I think maybe twenty twenty three is their ETA. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. So, all right, man. Uh, thank you for coming on, Pat. Uh, great to talk to you again. And uh, before we go, just uh, want to give you a chance to let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and, and what you got in store this season for us. Yeah. Uh, Joe and AJ, thanks so much for having me. It's always a blast to talk to you guys. So um, people should check out fantasypros.com for my stuff and uh, all the great stuff there. We've got our our redraft kit up so anyone in a season-long league can pretty much find anything they need as far as rankings, tools, articles, etc. They can check out the the Fits on Fantasy podcast every week. Find me on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. And, uh, man... I'm ready, boys. Training camp is upon us. Absolutely. Yes. Very excited. Very excited to see the season start. Are we going to see you at the uh, the, the expo, by the way? Yes, sir. You guys are both going to be there? I will be there. Excellent, man. First beer is on me. Indeed. (laughs) Sweet. First pace schedule. Yeah, that's that's gonna be interesting. Boston Strangler's not uh, liking this. He's still he's still bitter about the Desmond Howard uh, Super Bowl. I think so. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, Strangler. I know. Wow. Oh, shots fired by Patty. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> like it. Like All right, it Pat. Well, thank you again for coming on, man. Uh, we'll have All to right. do it again Thanks, shortly. Sir. So have a good night. See you. Thanks, boys. All right. All righty, man. Uh, so I think that's it for me. Uh, next week, if I can pull up the document, where did I put it? I don't even know anymore. Might have closed it. Nope, there it is. So next week, I know we are doing the South, NFC South, with Samantha Praviti. I always butcher her last name. I'll ask her before she comes on the show. So would you. It's Praviti. I think you're right. I am right. I don't know why I said Praviti. That was (laughs) stupid. It is definitely Praviti. But anyway. um, How much did that hurt, Joe? To admit that AJ was right. That's that. That's about as bad. He, he didn't even admit it. He said, "I think you're right." <laughs> yeah, that's about as bad as me actually drafting Amari Cooper in Warrior Bowl. That's how bad my draft is going. Oh, right? 
I know, like, dude, the world is ending. I actually drafted Amari Cooper. As if anybody's still listening, you know how much I dread Amari Cooper. <laughs> Six rings guy. Yeah, that's like, yeah. That's not here to hear it, but uh, that's that's a good one, Boston. Um, so yeah, if, if anybody's still listening, you guys know how much I absolutely hate Amari Cooper, the most inconsistent receiver, and like, I just, it's just impossible to figure out. But he fell at a receiver 35. At some point, it's just uber value. I'm just like, I got to do it. Like, that, that, that's crazy, right? I mean, AJ, who's right? To him? Please, please tell me I'm right. Receiver 35, I, I think that I would take Cooper. Yeah, it was over. him or Devonta. Dude, I have, I have, where do I have him right? I have Cooper ranked 27. I've seen him in other rankings, like in the teens. I've seen him as low as like 30. I dropped him to 27. Now, of course, that's with me thinking that Brissett's starting the whole year. Who knows? There's word that he Watson could only get you know, suspended for two to eight games. If that happens, Cooper's going right back into the teens for me, and that is a massive value pick for me, which I needed because that draft is absolutely killing me. <laughs> if you've been following along in the Warrior Bowl chat for us, but uh, man, the quarterback run in Warrior Bowl in my division is just insanity. I mean, 13 or 13 of the first 16 picks were quarterbacks. I've never I know it's super flex but guys that's just crazy 13 of the first yeah. 16 yeah oh, and it it is nuts I mean I got left with like the choice of Tua and I took him at, you know the third round reversal but like I didn't feel good taking Tua and then of course like no quarterbacks got taken in the entire third round and only two got taken in the fourth round coming back to me so I could have taken whoever the hell I wanted at the end of the fourth round. But instead I took two at the beginning of the third round and just then I was left chasing every other position, which is why when Cooper finally fell, I was like, I mean, I've just got to take the value <laughs> at this point. I, and I, mean, I hate him. I, I, he I hate still Cooper. went receiver 18 in my fishbowl draft. So, it's it's a it's a pretty Nearly nice value. doubling that. Um, yeah. That's a pretty nice value. I was like, I was actually kind of shocked. Value I took cause... him. I got him and Mooney back to back, thirty five and thirty six. I was like, okay, that 30, 35, oh, no. 36 was uh, Drake London, Chase Claypool, and then Michael Thomas at thirty seven. Yeah, actually, in, in my draft, it was so. him and Mooney. I think Mooney was my wide receiver too. But let me just. I'll tell you here real quick. Mooney went 28. Oh, dang it. Uh, no, sorry. I took him and then Elijah Moore at 36. So I went a little upside play there. It That was – so the three guys I was looking at was Cooper, Moore, and Devonta Smith. But I wanted the wide receiver, who I think is the wide receiver one for his team in Elijah Moore. That's why I went that way. Yeah, it could backfire I, again. I'm I'm chasing upside because I got absolutely murdered in the first two. <laughs> I'm not going quarterback quarterback with the twelfth pick, like that was the worst decision. I, even though I got Justin Jefferson, 
that was the worst decision I ever made because I did not expect the quarterbacks to just fly off the board like they did. But, um, yes, exactly why I say he's inconsistent, and I absolutely hate him, Boston Strangler. I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. So, the, like, if you if you watch any of these other shows, and you can go back to all of them, you can go back to the Dallas Cowboys preview show. Um, for years, I've been like, I will never draft Amari Cooper, but I will. I say that. Because he always goes where you know his ADP usually is, but his ADP dropped like a rock. His his, his draft value dropped like a rock in this in this Warrior Bowl draft that I'm in, and I was just like, I mean, I'm looking at the board going, I mean, I just I just have to, <laughs> even though I don't want to, but I, fine. Anyway, let's close it out. Um, good talking to you again, AJ, and uh, see you next week. All right. Oh, by the way, the show next week, right? Is that yeah, the uh, no, no, not, not next, next week. week. Two weeks. I'm yeah. I'm a, I'm ahead of myself. So no, next week is on Thursday. I'm ahead of myself. Good night, everybody. <laughs>